So a couple years ago at ETV, um, who's gone to ETV before? A couple of you? Yeah, pretty awesome place. If you haven't, we're gonna ha- that's our summer camp, so you'll be hearing more info about that as we get close to summer. But we have, you know how um, we have a theme every year. And so a couple years ago, the theme was rescued for what? Um, and we had this whole thing where uh, we dubbed over, like, the turn down for what? Little John song. We were like, rescue for what? It was uh, really cool then. I guess not now. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the whole premise of it, the whole, the whole focus was like, okay, so if we believe that, that God has rescued us, that through what Jesus did, he's rescued us, for what purpose did he rescue us? Right? Because if, if, if Jesus rescued us, in, in my mind— um, if it was just to be a complete rescue of from evil bad things to all good things, wouldn't he just like poof us to heaven, right, in this rescue? Wouldn't it just be taking us like the damsel in distress, right? Take us from the dragon lair and poof us back into the perfect kingdom. Um, and so we, since that isn't the case, that isn't how it takes place, we were asking the question, what are we rescued for then now? Like in this life that we have now, like, why, why did re- Jesus rescue us in the way that he did? Um, the last couple of weeks, I've heard that you guys have been talking about the gospel a lot. And you, you talked about what is the gospel? What is the good news? Um, why would we share the good news as we're in this series of life of a disciple and with a focus of making disciples recently? And then last week, Matt shared with you on how do we share um, the gospel. And he really laid a good platform um, as you looked at the story of the Ethiopian and Philip and got into some word study. He laid such a good platform of kind of a foundation of, of this is good stuff to be thinking about in how we share the gospel. And we're going to continue to talk about the how for weeks. Um, it'll be kind of intertwined in, in a lot of different things that we go through because we could never cover how to share this news with people in just one night. Um, but what I want you to think about tonight, I'm going to ask you two questions right now. Um, what has Christ saved you from? What has Christ saved you from? And then question number two, what has Christ saved you into? What has Christ saved you from, and what has Christ saved you into? Yes, Taylor. Uh, second one, so when we're saved from something, we're brought into a new, a new state of being or into a new place. So what has Christ taken you out of and what has he brought you into? Does that make sense? Cool. Good question. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive some more into that. God, I thank you for these high schoolers. Um, as I've talked with staff and, and just gotten to be with them, uh, especially this last summer and start of the school year, it seems like a lot of them are really hungry for a relationship with you and want to know how to live into that, want to know how to follow you, to want to know how to love their friends and to live as a follower of Christ. God, help me to be able to speak into that from what your word says, how you instruct us from some of my own experiences and then also with what you just give me, Holy Spirit, to share tonight. Would you be moving in their hearts? Would they be processing this stuff? Help any of those that had a hard day um, or are really tired right now. Help them to just dive and press into you, God, because they want to know you more. Your name, amen. 
All right, um, so you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, that's the New Testament. Um, so it's going to be right after the book of Galatians, um, which is right after First and Second Corinthians. So if you keep going to the right, you will find it eventually. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. I'll read it out for everybody once you guys all get there. Um, And as I read it, I want you, um, those two questions I asked, I want you to be looking for some answers to those two questions. They'll be semi-generic, like answers, but look for answers to the questions of what has, has Christ saved us from and what has Christ saved us into. Got it? Because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to discuss, we're going to share after we read this together. You guys all tracking with me? What we're doing? Cool. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2. It's a little bit longer, but, um, but it's a really good passage. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So talk really briefly with the person next to you. Um, what things did you notice? What does this tell us about what we've been saved from and what we've been saved into? Ready? Go. All right, let's come back up. So um, I want to hear from you guys. What, what's something that you have, um, that you've seen in this passage you've been saved from, saved out of? Selfishness. Awesome. What else? Not awesome, but well done. What else? Fear, yeah, Sam? Yeah, desires of our flesh, right? Like our sinful nature, totally. Yeah, saved from those things as well. What have we been saved into? Love, yeah, great, in unison. Well done. What else have we been saved into? Freedom, totally. What else? One more, somebody's got it. Mercy, yeah, mercy and grace. We've been given a gift. So when I read this passage, I almost always think of a clip from Lord of the Rings. Um, so we're going sh- to watch it. Um, but what's kind of leading into this point is, and there's lots of spoilers, but you've had plenty of time. There's no excuse, and I use that joke far too often, and it's not even really a joke. So that's, yeah, there we go. Um, so Frodo and Sam on this great mission to destroy the ring, they actually just did destroy it. They're in Mordor, though, Um, and if you don't understand any of this right now, you're like, Frodo, Sam, Mordor, ring, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Um, But they've just destroyed it, and they're running out, and this is what's going to take place next. So 
feel free to pull that up, Alex. All right, awesome. Um, and so if you, if you haven't seen that movie before, you're like, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> and also, why didn't they just take the eagles to the mountain in the first place to destroy the ring? But I digress. So um, what I love in this clip with this passage, right, is the first half of this passage talks about um, this, like, kingdom of darkness, where it talks about the spirit of, of the air. And, and remember several, maybe a couple months ago now, we talked about, like, um, when we talk about the world, or when we, we, we talk about the fallenness of the world, um, it's the, the kingdom of, like, evil, or the kingdom of darkness. And, and for Frodo and Sam in this clip, like, there's molten lava all around them. Things are being destroyed. There's complete and total destruction. They're battered. They're beaten. They're worn out from a long journey that has taken everything that they have, and it seems like there is absolutely no hope whatsoever, and it actually fades to black, and I remember when I was in the theater watching it, like, for the first time, it was like, is that the end of the movie? This sucks. You guys are stupid. Like, because it, it did it a couple different times, actually. It fade to black, and everyone's like, ah, and then we'd come back, ah. Um, but, but it's like this picture in the fade to black of complete hopelessness. They're stuck in this situation where there's no getting out of it on their own, until in the next scene, light breaks through breaks through the darkness, pierces the darkness. And these eagles that they should have ridden to begin with swoop down. Nothing that Frodo and Sam can do, all they can do is hang lifelessly there and they're scooped up and taken. And then the next scene, it fades to light. And and, and if you kept watching, what happens next is they're actually in this other kingdom um, and everything is perfect everything. Uh, There's no blemish. There's no destruction. There's no lava. Um, There's nothing evil whatsoever, and they're reunited with all their friends and and their community that they've had for all three um, of the stories. This is the picture of what Jesus has done, that all of us on our own, like this passage says, we were objects of wrath apart from our trust and faith in Jesus, that we were destined for destruction because of what sin had done. And I, I, don't, I don't know each of you that well to know what that has looked like for you, but man, I remember apart from Jesus what my life looked like before I trusted in him, and it was a hopeless existence. It was all about me, and yet nothing ever satisfied. Nothing was ever enough. And I didn't have true hope. I didn't have true love. And I wasn't truly known because I was too scared to ever let anybody in to know who I actually was. But then I met Jesus. And not everything changed in an instant, right? Like, and I'm not in this like perfect kingdom all the time now. But I have hope. I have life. I have love. And that is what Jesus does when he rescues us. When this passage says, it is by grace that you've been saved. Frodo and Sam didn't do anything to earn getting scooped up by those eagles, right? But instead, they still came, picked them up in the midst of immense peril, and take them to safety, take them to new life. And that's what Jesus has done. By his grace, by his gift, by his love for us, he rescued and saved us. 
in this passage, we see a couple like different, like we see um, these juxtapositions of kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light. We see this dead to alive. We see this gratifying sinful nature, me, 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 to receiving grace, that it's God that's the one who's giving over and over again. And the last one that I really noticed is this object of wrath versus God's workmanship. So, if that's the story of the gospel, right, if that's what we've been focusing on um, tonight, man, I want to ask you the question, because maybe you just need to sit in this. Like, have you in your heart experienced transformation like that with Jesus? Have you experienced, like, this fullness of what you've been saved into? Because nothing else we talk about will make sense unless you recognize what you've been saved from and what you've been saved into as well. And if you need to sit in that the rest of the night and just be like, man, like, does my life reflect being saved from such devastation and saved into such marvelous goodness? Um you need to sit and, and, and think through that. That is a good place to be tonight. But what I really want us to focus on tonight is verse 10 as we keep going forward in this passage of Ephesians 2, because uh, we're going to answer that question, but what were we saved or rescued for? For those that have trusted in Jesus, who are following Jesus here, why were we saved and rescued in the way that we were? So I'm going to read verse 10 again. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I just want to make something really clear, um, because Christians, we like to get this pretty twisted sometimes. So good works, right? Good, Good works. Good works do not gain us any more access to God, any more love from God, or any more acceptance as a Christian, or you're not a better follower, follower of Jesus if you do good works. Because then that wouldn't be truly receiving grace from God. It wouldn't be a gift if we could earn our way into acceptance. Right here and now, if you've fo- chosen to follow Jesus or not, God's love for you is the same as it would be if you did a good work or not. It is the same immensity that we can't comprehend. Because so often in my life, I have tried to earn favor, right? I've tried to earn acceptance, even from my wife still, who I know said, I do till death do us part, right? I still try to earn her love at times because that is what we do. But with God, I want it to be clear, with our good works, we cannot earn a morsel of love from him. But this passage says, If we are in Christ, we were created, we've been created to do good works at the same time. So, um, have you guys ever used something, like, there was something that was created for one purpose, but you used it, like, for a purpose that it wasn't created for? Have you ever done that, where you're like, oh, I'll use this for this instead? So, um, when I was really little, uh, and I'm like, like, five, six, or something like that, 
Um, I, uh, this is embarrassing. I really enjoyed bath time. Um, and not because I, I enjoyed getting clean, but I had like all these bath toys. I called them tub toys. I had like a, some people there. Who's with me? Bath, bath toys? Thank you. Okay, I'm not the only one. Um, and I was so stoked because I only like used them for bath time, which makes sense. Like they were kind of in my filth. Um, so used them for bath time and I'd like sneak in extra bubbles when my mom wasn't looking and stuff like that. And I'd hang out in that bath way too long because it was awesome to have like my action figures dive off the edge and like all that kind of stuff and yeah I could go on um but uh I remember this one day where I was sitting in the bathtub doing my thing it was awesome um marvelous battles going on and uh all of a sudden I got an inkling um that nature was calling and uh nature wasn't calling line one it was calling line two um and I'm like oh bath time is so good right now, though. I don't want to get out, because then I'll be cold, and I won't want to get back in and play more. You know what? This is a pretty comfortable spot, and I'm, you know, like, I could do my business, keep playing with toys. Who's to know? So a couple minutes later, my mom probably came into the bathroom. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but there's me with Hercules. And my mom's like, oh, that's so cute, Hercules. Oh, and there's Leia. What's Leia writing? Oh, my gosh, it's a turd, right? Like, not good. (laughs) And so I don't know how it went down. She scoops the thing out. I'm like, what? Um, I have to take another bath for some reason. I don't know why. Um, But I totally used our bathtub. Not for what it was created for, right? I desecrated our bathtub. Um, and I don't think that was the only time is the sad part. Uh, but I totally didn't use the bathtub for what it was created for. And if we're created to do good works for those that are in Christ Jesus, if we're not doing good works, if we're not loving others, if we're not showing good to others— We're desecrating the creation that God's made in us, right? We're not using what God has created for its proper use. We're trying to fit it into something that it's not. So what does it mean to do good works, right? Is that just smiling at somebody as they're walking down the street? Or is that like helping an old lady across the crosswalk? Which is always like, what people use as an example, and I don't see that happen very often. I don't know if that was just like a Boy Scout thing or what. Um, So what are good works? If you remember a while back, we defined a disciple as someone who loves God and loves others. So we're going to look at a story. Um, You're going to turn to Luke chapter 10 um, that Jesus talked about loving our neighbor, right? Doing good to our neighbor, And the guy that Jesus is in a conversation with, um, he's asking Jesus, okay, so what should I do? And then Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy's like, well, who is my neighbor, Jesus? Like, really, who am I supposed to love? Um, And maybe some of us have that question. God, who am I supposed to love? And then how should I love him? And we're going to look at that as well. So Luke chapter 10, verse 30. All right, here we go. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So with the person next to you, how did you see the good Samaritan or the Samaritan man show love to the man that was laying in the street? Talk about that really quick, and we'll come back together. So I'm, I'm guessing you guys talked about a couple things. You, you talked about this man, like, stopping, um, actually giving this guy time of day. And actually, back in that day and age, Samaritans and Jews did not like each other, did not get along whatsoever And yet, two of his own, like, fellow people before that did not stop for him. Yet this man, who's supposed to be hated enemy, stops. um, Stops what he's doing. Puts him on his ride as he walks down the rest of the trail. Takes care of his medical needs. Bandages him. um, Sees to his immediate wounds and gives him longer care as well. There's a lot of love and good works that we see in this story. But how many of you recently have seen a man beaten up laying in the street where you had an opportunity to give them um, care or good works or take them to the hospital? Anybody? Not not recently. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) We don't see this that often, right? So what does it look like for us to show love and good works? Because while this man is laying in the road dying, like literally physically dying, we don't often see that physically. But what about this? What if there's someone that you sit by in class whose parents just got divorced and they are dying inside? What if there's someone on your sports team who on the outside they always just seem angry but you don't realize that a month ago they found out that their friend is diagnosed with cancer? What if there's somebody who's always picked on, always the butt of the jokes, and while on the outside they may, they may make it seem like everything's okay, it's funny to me, inside they're like, man, like I'm, all I'm good for is a punchline. What about someone whose parent just lost their job and they're trying so hard to pretend like everything's still Okay. What about someone who didn't make it into the college they want and they feel like they've let their family and themselves down? We live in a world where we don't always see here in Camas or Vancouver or, or Washougal. Um, we don't always see people physically dying. We probably, not too often, I hope not too often, you'll see that. But we are around people who are spiritually dying day by day. There's days where I feel like I'm spiritually dying, and I'm guessing you guys feel like that too. 
if you're a follower of Jesus, God has put you around people that are in this place for a reason. They need people that are going to share life, that are going to share love, that are going to share the good news of who Jesus is. They need people that can point to, this is what Jesus has rescued me from, and this is what Jesus has rescued me into. And it's not by accident that you're sitting next to the person that you're sitting in your science class. It's not by accident that you're on the team with the individuals that you're on. It's not by accident that you live in the city that you live in. It's not by accident that you live on the street or in the house that you do. I'm going to read verse 10 of Ephesians 2 again. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has opportunities in your life to love the people around you that he's been planning for a long time. Opportunities where he knew there was going to be someone hurting. He was like, okay, that person's hurting. I'm bringing Olivia in. Olivia's going to be right there, and Olivia's going to be the one that reflects my love to them. Or, or there's someone else that, that's really feeling hopeless. And like, I'm going to bring Brandon into that picture. And I'm going to bring Brandon in. And he's not going to say anything at first, but he's just going to be that friend that they know they can call. And he's going to be patient. And then finally one day, he's going to have an opportunity to share about who I am. And I could go on and on for each one of you. Because God has chosen to use you. God has said it is good God, I said, you're going to be my ambassadors to the world. I rescued you so that you might show other people that they could be rescued as well. You are the light of the world. And I've been planning this thing for a while. I didn't just go, oh, this person's hurting. Uh, uh, Sam, could you maybe help them out? Uh, and if that doesn't work, hey, right? That's not God. God did the same thing with each one of us, Right? And if you're here and you're not following Jesus, it's by no accident that you're here in a room full of people who love Jesus. It's not an accident. God's been pursuing you, and he's going to keep pursuing you because he wants to take you out of that dominion of darkness and into his kingdom of marvelous light, from death to life, from object of wrath to God's workmanship. Last week, um, you guys heard the story of the Ethiopian and Philip. Um, and one of the things in that story, Matt talked about responding to the Spirit, but, but we see that the Ethiopian guy was already reading Scripture before Philip ever got there. Before you ever have a conversation with a friend, you can know and you can believe and you can trust God's already been pursuing them. When, God's, when, God, when someone's hurting, God has already loved them greater than you ever could. He's given them little snapshots. He's given them little windows. They've probably had little moments where they pray out or they cry out to God, and he's met them in that before, and maybe they've lost their way, or maybe um, they're, they're just in some darkness, but it says that all of creation declares the goodness of who God is. So you never go in alone, and you never go into something that, where God's not already at work. Getting to love um, and choosing to love somebody in these situations is hard, but it's the best thing I've ever done. It is truly the best when I stopped focusing on myself so much 
And I started wanting to see people the way that God saw them, how God loved them. And he's done crazy things in my life because of that. I wouldn't be here if God didn't do that in me. And he wants that for each and every one of you. And we're going to keep talking about this in the weeks to come because we need an overhaul on how we walk day to day if we're going to start loving people the way Jesus did, the way this good Samaritan saw this man in the street. But to end, I want you guys to know God's got you. Wherever you're at in your process of following him, he's got you, he's with you, and he's in front of you too. And you're his workmanship. He's pleased with who you are. There is only one of you, and you're here for a purpose. There's no accident in that. There's no accident in the people that you're around as well. And he's got good stuff that he wants you to step into. He's got great things he wants you to be a part of. But are you going to have the eyes and the heart to see it when those times come? I'm going to pray. We're going to head to small groups. God, we thank you that you see us differently than anyone else on this planet. You see us for who you've made us to be. Not who people say that we are, not even who we say that we are, but who you say we are. And I pray if there, if there are some of my friends here tonight, they just don't have a good view of themselves, Lord. If they beat themselves up or think that they're not worthy or not good enough, God, would you speak into that tonight? Whether it be in small groups or in this moment or as we're singing later, would they hear that you say they are your workmanship? that you have good things for them. Thank you, God, that you never hang us out to dry, that you're always at work in front of any situation that we could ever step into. And I pray that we take some risks with people in, in showing some crazy love to them in what we say and how we live. In your name, amen.